DC Beyond the Thunder podcast with your host, Kurt Squires, with Greg Ferguson and Eric Deal. For those about to talk, we salute you. this music and if you recognize it then you very well know that this must be a football edition of acdc beyond the thunder the podcast that sits down with well-known individuals who just so happen to be acdc fans and they're going to share how this band has impacted their own lives into their everyday fabric my name is kurt squires I'll be your sportscaster along with color man Greg Ferguson right over there. And our offensive coordinator, Eric Kielb, is up in the booth from above calling the shots. Today, we're sitting down with Jonathan Kraft, president of the Kraft Group, the holding company of the Kraft family's business interests, and more notably, president of the multiple Super Bowl champion, New England Patriots. It was Jonathan who helped his family create a plan to purchase the New England Patriots back in 1994 and grow them to one of the most dominating forces in the NFL, not to mention operator of the New England Revolution, a major league soccer team with multiple MLS Cup appearances. So what does this have to do with our favorite band of all time, ACDC? Well, it just so happens that Jonathan Kraft is responsible for cranking out more ACDC than any other sporting venue in any other sport in the country, if not the world. And for that, we're about to salute him. And even more exciting, this interview was conducted just hours before ACDC actually took the stage at Gillette Stadium in Foxborough, Massachusetts. Uh, A very amazing day. Greg, what do you remember from this? It was a couple of tours ago, but how cool was this? Well, first of all, Kurt, that was an amazing show. I had never seen ACDC in a stadium that large. So for me, that was really a new experience. Uh, the energy in Gillette was just unforgettable. 47,000 fans just cheering along, singing, dancing, and just going nuts. It was, it was amazing. Our interview with Jonathan Kraft, what a great guy. I mean, he was so excited to talk ACDC with us. And honestly, he was even more excited for the show that night. You could just tell he's a true fan. And let's not forget the opening band, Anvil. I mean, we had an opportunity to talk ACDC with those guys, too. And and that was a really cool moment that day. Uh, The interview went a little sideways. I think that's a whole other story for another episode. And we'll share that when the time comes. That's right. That's right. Man, you get a good memory. Uh, It's funny because we would actually gang up as many interviews per city that we could just for economy at the time. Um, And this one seemed like a no-brainer. Even though ACDC founder Angus Young once said that he felt sports and music don't really mix as far as he's concerned. Uh, I'm not sure what he was talking about there, but there's no doubt that this band's music is the fan favorite battle music of choice when it comes to stadiums, arenas, and coliseums. (laughs) Yeah, I think Angus may have changed his tune on this a little bit. 
Um, if you think about it, you can't watch a major sporting event or a sports film that doesn't feature an ACDC track in there somewhere. And if you just think about football films alone, like Varsity Blues, The Longest Yard, or even Jerry Maguire, they all feature ACDC tracks. Yes. I actually just watched Varsity Blues for the first time uh, ever, which is shocking because it came out in before the millennium, I think. And if I'm not mistaken, that was a song that the director shelled out like a million dollars for just to use Thunderstruck. So, and on the actual playing field too, think about the Atlanta Falcons uh, to Michigan State. It's nearly impossible to cover all the high school, college, and professional teams across the land who have a tradition of playing specific ACDC songs at key moments during the game. And then there's Dee Snyder of Twisted Sister. He put together a petition for ACDC to play at the Super Bowl halftime show. And he had something like 20,000 signatures. I think if it wasn't for the pandemic, this probably could have happened. Oh, that was so cool that Dee Snyder did that. I was a thousand percent behind him when he had that petition going. I mean, think about it, Greg. In the history of halftime shows, ACDC's the most legitimate band to have never played. And I will go on record as saying there may be no better band to be the soundtrack to the biggest game in football than ACDC. Their music is already ingrained throughout every quarter, even before the game starts. Nothing against, you know, The weekend, Maroon 5, Katy Perry, who, by the way, was rocking out to ACDC at the Grammy Awards. So she would fully agree with us. When you're talking about going into battle music, it's not Teenage Dream. <laughs> definitely not Teenage Dream. I That's a head scratcher for me. But we should definitely get Katy Perry on the show just to talk ACDC. I think that would be really fun. Um, but one thing I do know is if ACDC ever plays the Super Bowl, you and I will be there somehow. I mean, if we had to remortgage our houses to get tickets, it would probably happen. I mean, that would be nuts. I think the NFL really needs to pay attention to this because it would definitely be their highest internationally viewed Super Bowl ever. People from all over the world would tune into the Super Bowl just to see ACDC. Well said. All right, Greg, let's kick off this super episode with New England Patriots president and fellow ACDC fan, Mr. Jonathan Kraft. Jonathan, thank you so much for being here. Just so the folks at home know, as we're sitting here for this outside edition of ACDC Beyond the Thunder, can you tell us where we are right now, how it came to be, and why this is such a very special venue for you and so many, many other sports fans. Gillette Stadium is a great venue because it's the home of the New England Patriots. And uh, I'm not objective, but they're the greatest football team in the world. And uh, <laughs> of course, I think that it's it's quintessential New England. It's it's open air. We have the bridge in the lighthouse. Mm -hmm. It was something that uh, after we bought the team in 94, one of our objectives and something that my family and I were obsessed with was uh, being able to build a first class football stadium that would also be a great concert venue. Right. And, uh, and we were lucky enough to open Gillette in 02, and I think the acoustics are great. We've been privileged to have everybody from the Stones to Bruce to Billy and Elton to Kenny Chesney to cool. 
Toby Keith, just the whole gamut of music play the building. And to have ACDC playing here tonight uh, when they're so integrated, they're the, it's the first time that a band, we play Bruce at the games, but with ACDC, this is really the first time a, a band that's really integrated into the soundtrack that we've created for the team since 94. Right. Uh, we'll be, we'll be playing the team's home. Ozzy, who is also, Ozzy played opening night a couple of years ago. The team runs out to Crazy Train. Oh, cool. So after our, uh, second or third Super Bowl win, I forget which, we had Ozzy hidden away and and uh, when Crazy Train started, the helmet that the team normally runs out from opened up and there was Ozzy actually oh. doing it live, which was a great moment. Wow. But Ozzy's never done a concert here and uh, ACDC will be the first band that is truly integrated into our game day soundtrack to play live at Gillette. Wow, you just uh, checked off a lot of questions right up front, which is exactly why we're here in Foxborough, Mass. today in the first place, because we heard that you as president of the world champion New England Patriots, a team that has now become, let's face it, an NFL dynasty, were instrumental in having ACDC essentially be the soundtrack here at Gillette. In fact, ACDC has played here more than any other stadium or arena in the country uh, in any other sport. Is that true? Yeah, when we bought the team in 94, um, the, the soundtrack, and we have been going to games since 71 when the old Shaper Foxborough Stadium, which sat right over there, was built. Right. The, the music by the time of the early 90s had become very dance oriented. And, mm -hmm. and there's definitely a, a place for that in, in the game day soundtrack. But for the most part, uh, football games and rock and roll, certainly in the Northeast, are synonymous with each other. Hard driving rock and roll. Right. And as we set about in 94, remaking the soundtrack for the team, just ACDC's music just, to me anyhow, symbolizes sort of energy, passion, recklessness. And football is a game of energy and passion and it's reckless. So the music and the game, it just meshes. And I think there's a huge ACDC following, knowing the music is critical to the audience too. Sure. And it just all fits. So they were integral part of it back in 94 and have been ever since. I, and I think most of us know, especially ACDC fans, that this band gets the lion's share of airplay on game day. And we've asked this question time and time again with many great answers as to why ACDC, but it would be so great to hear it from you directly as someone who literally has a direct line to influence exactly what does get played over the PA system every Sunday. What is your argument for playing music during a live sporting event? Why is it so effective? M music and sports, I think, are clearly synonymous with each other. Each of them should get your adrenaline flowing, should put you in a, in a, in a good state of mind. And, and it just, we own a soccer team too. And I'm very disappointed in soccer. You don't play music during the contest. And I, oh. I always feel like something's missing when I'm at home, just working in my office, or if I'm lying around a pool or a beach, I always have music nearby. Cause I, I music 
to me just should be a part of so much that you do and certainly with sports when you're in an environment like this sure music helps sets the atmosphere and in, in football in football, the, the way the game ebbs and flows and the intensity builds at certain moments, just having a soundtrack, uh, you see our fans, they respond. They know when certain things get queued up, and a lot of it is ACDC music. Absolutely. They know what's coming next. It's yeah. just, it's, it's like Pavlov's dog. I mean that in a positive <laughs> way. It's just part of the script. It's part of the orientation of the event. Sure. So if you play the most ACDC songs of any sporting team, how many are we talking about during an average game, give or take? I mean, give us an example of some of the tracks that we might hear on any given Sunday. For us, and, and, and this was something we started back in, in 94, we play, there's about 10 or 11 ACDC songs that are a part of every game soundtrack. Great. And the first one that, that gets played is For Those About to Rock. Nice. And, and when, do you, the, when the, do you play that song during the game? We play that right before the opening kickoff of every game. And then finally, Brian's scream that kicks into the song. You, the audience just responds and they know opening kickoff is coming and yeah. we have it timed perfectly. And then, you know, after that, that first, for those about to rock, we salute you, bang, it goes silent. The ball kicks and the, game, the game's underway. And so we decided to start with that. To the guitar fade. Oh man, what a great way to kick off any sporting event. So what other songs do you play, for example? The other songs that we use when we're on defense, uh, we use Back in Black, we use Hell's Bells. Yes, of uh, course. The well, let me let me ask you this. Can you play these ACDC tracks throughout the game whenever you want? or The NFL doesn't let you. Once the play clock begins, right. the home team can't make any noise through the PA system uh, once they're in the process of calling their play in the huddle or coming up to the line. Mm -hmm. So we we use um, we use snippets of tracks to get the audience going in that limited time that we have before the game before the play clock starts to run, and and so like or coming out of a timeout when we're on defense. And so what we'll do is we'll start playing Hell's Bells and. As soon as the audience hears that bell yeah. and then the guitar line coming over it, they start to rise. And then just as the percussion kicks in is usually when the play clock starts. And but then the audience has taken it up on their own. And and uh, we use that. We use back in black on defense. And uh, it just um, it works. You had earned an MBA from Harvard Business School back in 1990. Interestingly enough, we interviewed a music professor at Harvard University who discussed with Greg and me why ACDC's music can trigger mass amounts of dopamine and euphoria within large groups of people, more than um, many bands, because it produces this tribal response what is it about this little band from australia whose music has such an effect on such a diverse and vast amount of people 
at one time all over the world. ACDC is just the quintessential hard stadium rock to me and the songs are anthemic. I know there's the right way of saying it. I am probably not saying it accurately. No, that's the way. But it just fits a big space. The sound fills it up. The drama of Hell's Bells at the beginning gets you on the edge of your seat, but then it gets powerful. It's sort of like the drama at the start of For Those About to Rock. It's a similar thing and it's they obviously they have a style and 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 it fits that style. I think Angus's playing and Brian's voice both are are uh, it's just what it's what it's about Second and goal to go from the two. Toss sweep right for James White. Cuts it under the right arm. Cuts it upfield. Driving forward. It's diving to the goal line. It's still a touchdown. And a title for the Patriots. I can't believe it. They have completed the greatest comeback in Super Bowl history. You know, the other thing I should say too, in addition to what we use in game, our cheerleaders uh, uh, dance to, you know, TNT and- yeah, of course. Uh, shook you all night long and, mm -hmm. you know, they, the fans react, I think, to those bits more than they do uh, maybe the dance music bits, the things the, the ladies would prefer to dance to, the current, whatever the current dance tracks are, but those aren't timeless things. Those are just music that sounds the same over and over. I think <laughs> our audience loves that ACDC sound. It's very similar to Guns or to Aerosmith, both, both of which also get our crowd going, but ACDC is definitely um, the, the, has, is the market share leader to our game day soundtrack. And I think it's just something about the, the way they write songs that just fit this type of venue and fit the game of football. Like I said, energy, passion, and recklessness, which I hadn't really thought about before, but I think it really fits. You've obviously done a remarkable job turning this franchise around since purchasing the club back in 1994. What was then the highest price for a professional sports franchise uh, of all time. And being a fellow New Englander at the time, the Patriots were the NFL's worst performing team, both on and off the field. Uh, it was tough. It was kind of like the Red Sox for a while. And since then, you've been the day-to-day -day driving force behind the rebuilding and rebranding of this franchise. In the first season, the Patriots sold out every home game for the first time in franchise history, propelling the team into the playoffs for the first time in eight years. And since then, the Patriots have won more Super Bowls 
conference championships, division titles, and overall games than any other NFL team in history. Not to mention, you brought in a tremendous amount of marketing savvy, including the addition of ACDC being a staple at Gillette Stadium. Thank you very much. How do you think ACDC as a brand has been successful from your point of view? What have they done so right? I think it's real. Uh, you look at Angus and Malcolm and Brian and Cliff, and Phil. They they're they're all real. They're not they're not posers, as my friend Lars Ulrich would say, or they're not pretenders. They're 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 real. And whether it's like Metallica or like Bruce Springsteen, I think the bands who are real and not contrived. Mm-hmm have the ability to have long shelf lives and to keep an audience with them. It's not something you discard. It's not fashionable. It's not created for the moment. It's just real. Right. And, and uh, I, I think that's probably at the root of it, but I don't in any way want to pat, pawn myself off as an expert. It's not- <laughs> Are you kidding me? This is exactly why ACDC Beyond the Thunder tracked you down here in Foxborough in the first place because I guarantee you that not one other NFL president can name all five band members of ACDC like you just did there, let alone past Angus Young. That's a pretty solid indication that you've been heavily influenced by this band. That's a good question, right? It is, but I think I probably have different musical tastes than most of the people in well, I don't, you know, scratch, don't do that. I, I, I don't know. No. I can't tell you who's in, what's that new age band at Christmas time that plays that? Oh, the Trans-Siberian Orchestra. Okay, but I can't tell you who's in that, or I can't tell you the names of the Jonas Brothers. Or, <laughs> Which is totally fine. You know, who, I, you know this, I, or maybe that's not a good No, you know? well, here's the thing. I honestly think that most people don't know all the members of ACDC. Think about it. These guys are a global band, but they were never like the Beatles or Kiss, where all four guys were household names. ACDC were sort of under the radar so much that I don't think a president of a major sporting team could mention and reference all five guys. And that is why we salute you, Jonathan. I'm into, you know, I like music and I like, I like music like this. I, I find it to be real and interesting. So maybe... Maybe, maybe, maybe that's why you want to know the guys the same way kids who are into sports want to know the names of everybody on the bench. Yeah, that's great. Guys playing on the minor league roster. It's it's cool to know the names of the guys in the band. You've become really good friends with many bands over the years, too. And since this is a great venue for bands to play at. You've been doing some great mingling, including hometown heroes, Aerosmith, right? Actually, a real good friend of mine is Tom Hamilton, who's the bass player for Aerosmith. Yeah, yeah. How is Tom doing? He's good. I think he's going to try to come down here tonight. And I, I, he's, I think he's going to, but Tom is, uh, Tom saw them. He tried, that's who I was going to go with actually at the fleets, at the garden shows. Oh, fun. I was going to go with Tom and I couldn't get back into town either of the two nights. And so he was, wanted us to go together. Cool. Well, since the Patriots are headquartered just outside of Boston and you were born in Brookline, Mass., both uh, Greg and I grew up in New Hampshire and, and in Maine, respectively, just north of you. Some of our favorite local bands besides Aerosmith were The Cars, uh, Jay Giles' band, The Pixies, 
uh, drop kicks, uh, and of course, I guess Boston. Um, what was one of your favorite Boston bands growing up? There was a band out of Boston called O Positive, who I thought was okay. just a great band. They were more in the REM mold right. than, than, than the ACDC mold. But they were real music and real guys, and it just it didn't break for them, and it should have. Right, yeah, there's a lot of bands like that. I, I wanted to switch gears a moment uh, and talk about ACDC as a brand, um, since that is essentially what you're dealing with as the football team. ACDC Beyond the Thunder looks at how this band has infiltrated our culture around the globe and takes a deep dive how it's influenced many diverse people and industries, athletes and sporting events, obviously being one of them. Where else have you been shocked or surprised that ACDC has seeped into our consciousness? I mean, not just merchandising, but about other facets of our lives, including marketing, because music is really playing a major role in, in how other bands are being sold, right? You know, I haven't really paid attention. I remember when I first heard, I think it was rock and roll, Zeppelin's rock and roll for a Cadillac commercial. Right. I That's the one time in my life where I said, boy, you know, I, I guess I'm in a really good demographic now where times have changed. I don't. Yeah, right. I'm trying to think if I have an ACDC moment like that, and I don't remember it, but I'm a huge Zeppelin fan, and I just remember that being odd. And it was actually... I don't want to say I was turned off to it because I get commercialism, but it just, it seemed so incongruous mm -hmm. to, to hear rock and roll in a Cadillac commercial. That was just strange. Yeah, I, I'm glad you said that because when I first saw that commercial, I was like, what are they doing? That's not real. It, it really wasn't, but I, 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 but I love Zeppelin. I'm not criticizing no, Zeppelin no, at all. Not, I just, no. Zeppelin to me, I, I, wish, uh, I wish Robert would... Um, Society wanted to. I, I just I don't get it. But I, any I don't have an ACDC moment like that where you say, "Wow." Well, we actually conducted a whole segment about ACDC being utilized in advertising. In fact, we were just in Boston uh, at an ad agency where the creative principal discusses one of the first ever uses of ACDC's music in a commercial, which he created for The Gap where a black woman is playing back in black on a Gibson SG, which was just magical. I remember those commercials, but I don't remember the back in black one. Having an African-American woman play it probably was a smart move, especially if she was playing it credibly. Right, and, right. Uh, I, I get that then. But I don't know, I haven't, I don't sense the commercialization. And I don't have a problem with commercialization, mm -hmm. but I haven't, seen it as much with ACDC as I have with other bands. Right. But maybe I'm just not paying attention. No, I mean, that's one of the main triggers that started ACDC Beyond the Thunder. After seeing that, there was a snowball effect of ACDC beginning to become a part of our everyday fabric as a tool to create an emotional response. Not unlike on the football field, but the great thing about ACDC is that you rarely feel like they're selling out, like you referenced with Led Zeppelin. Um, one of our favorite quotes from you as it relates to your career, your work ethic, and your championship team, the New England Patriots, is, quote, it's about perseverance at all costs, end quote. 
which also applies to building this incredible empire. The confetti, the streamers falling from the roof of NRG Stadium. I don't care. They got balls. And when you have balls on the biggest stage, you win championship football games. I think when you experience, though, some hardship, clearly losing uh, Bond early on, mm -hmm. the thing that attracted me to it was Bond's voice. Right. And I think probably, I don't know, I was a kid, but I assume when he died and the band is probably just about to really break out, they're climbing that curve and that happens. Right, Highway to Hell had just broke. I think a lot of other bands, when they lose their front man, who was so unique. Completely unique. Give it up. And you know, these guys found Brian right away and I'm at Brian. With huge shoes to fill, exactly. Brian was Bond in a lot of respects, but had his, he could pull off what Bond was doing, but he fit, it just fit. And I don't know if that, it didn't take them long to do it. So maybe that wasn't about perseverance. I, I don't, I don't know enough about their history. I was a kid, so I was just listening to the music. I wasn't reading all, all the articles back then, but I remember when Bond died, I was a sophomore in high school thinking, oh, I hope they don't break up. And I'm glad they didn't. Uh, we are so glad they didn't either, Jonathan. And thank you so much for letting us into your gridiron cathedral to talk football, the New England Patriots, and of course, ACDC. It's now sudden death overtime. The clock is ticking. It's fourth and goal. And your final question is, if you had to describe ACDC in just one word, what would yours be? passionate uh perfectly fitting word and i i actually lied i want to know one more answer let's talk about the elephant in the room will acdc ever play a super bowl halftime show everyone from the stones the who mccartney tom petty springsteen u2 the list goes on they've all taken the field but the most fitting band of all time has yet to do so do you see that ever happening no, they haven't done a halftime. You know, although it's an interesting idea, I'll tell you, I'm business partners. If we can turn this mic, can we turn the mic off? ACDC Beyond the Thunder theme song, Trailer Trash, written and performed by Gannon Arnold. VO Talent by Bruce Jacobson. Cinematography and sound recording by Greg Ferguson. Edited and mixed by Eric Keel. Written, directed, and hosted by Kurt Squires. Produced by Greg Ferguson, Eric Keel, and Kurt Squires. ACDC Beyond the Thunder is a Squires LLC current motion production. Copyright Beyond the Thunder podcast, all rights reserved. This has been a Nat Attack presentation. Shazbot Nanu Nanu.